Hey guys, welcome to You Got This, The Journey. I'm your host, Shannon Andrus. I'm on a journey right now to become the absolute best version of me. I want to find ways that I can improve mentally, physically, and spiritually. So every week, I'm going to open up about my journey and talk about tips and tricks of what's working for me and what's not working for me. I'll also be interviewing guests who will share their stories too. Together, we will inspire one another to become the absolute best versions of ourselves. So join me every week on this journey. And remember, you got this. Hello, 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 my juniors. What's up, you guys? I am so happy to be here right now on the microphone with you guys, as always, Um, not just because you guys are amazing and I just love connecting with you and releasing episodes each week and helping one another on this journey, but I'm also super happy because I'm damn proud of myself right now, okay? It is Friday, and I made a vow to myself that I would make sure that I would have all of my work done by Friday so that after work, I can just chill, cut loose, have fun, enjoy the weekend, spend some time with Kyle, our hoochie man, have some self-love, and just relax and not have anything to do. And so I'm super proud of myself for keeping that promise and being here, finishing this up and doing what I have to do so that I could have a relaxing weekend. So that is how I'm feeling today. I hope you guys are having a great day, whether it's the start of the week, end of the week, whatever part of the the journey it is. I hope you guys are doing really well and that you're continuing to put yourself first. This is going to be a short intro. I'm very happy to be here speaking with all of you, but it's pretty short because you have an awesome interview that you will be hearing in just a little bit with my good friend LJ. You guys, this interview with LJ, I think is so, so important because As you know, season two is all about choices and the importance of choices. And I think our health is where we really need to focus on those choices that we're making, right? Like really make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and doing all the things that we can to live the happiest and healthiest life that we can. And LJ focuses on women's health. So it's all about hormones, helping women who suffer from polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, fibroids, endometriosis, all of those things. And as women get older, our hormones change. And she talks about that too. So there's just so many things as women that I think we need to be aware of and, and definitely take seriously. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that I don't suffer from some of those diagnoses that I was listing, but LJ makes it very clear that none of us have to suffer, that we can find ways to take control of our life and make choices where we're not suffering and we are thriving no matter what diagnosis we've been given. So if you're somebody out there who suffers from any of those things, you're going to want to hear this interview with LJ because it's really, really good. Um, But before we get into that, I got to do my journey or updates because, you know, (laughs) you've been here long enough. You know the whole shebang. That is how I start each episode. So what happened this week? What's going on? Well, Something that I want to talk about, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about because I don't want to trigger anxiety and I don't want this to take away from anything in today's episode. But there's obviously a lot happening in the world right now and a lot of scary things happening. Um, Specifically, I'm talking about everything that's happening in Ukraine currently. And, you know, I don't really talk about this stuff a lot on my page because, number one, I don't want to get into a political argument with anybody. I do not want my page to turn into something 
um, where I have to defend things that wasn't intended for. It's intended to help you guys on your journey. And I don't think that those conversations necessarily would be helpful. And I, I choose to deal with those emotions and the things of what's happening in the world in private. And I don't always feel the need to share that. So if you haven't seen me talking about it, that is why. But I also know that there are a lot of people suffering from anxiety with what is occurring in the world. And so with that, I do feel a responsibility to address it. But all I can really address it with is that it's very important to be taking care of your mental health right now. And the emotions that come with global issues like we are experiencing are very heavy. And I think it can be very easy to get wrapped up in what we're seeing on social media and what we're seeing on the news and what we're hearing people around us talk about. And we can get overwhelmed and spiral into a negative place. And that's where I cannot stress enough how important it is to get help. Like I actually had an email come out from my company about the mental health services that we're offering because of what's happening in the world right now. And so you might actually have free resources being available to you as well. I would look into that or I would go to Psychology Today and see if you can locate a therapist that you can talk to virtually. I just don't want anybody dealing with the heavy emotions of what's currently happening in the world on their own. When there are ways that we can be releasing the feelings that we're having about it, the stresses in our head where it's not impacting those around us, but it's helping us to get it out and take care of ourselves. And that is where I have been focusing. I've really been strict on my therapy sessions of making sure that I let out my anxieties before I dive into business. Like that's something that's super important. I've taken more time for my self-care this week to help deal with a lot of the emotions I'm experiencing. And I've been more strict with my meditation, my journaling, and the practices that I have to do to support my mental health. So no, today I'm not going to talk about what's happening in the world because I don't think my podcast is the platform to do that. And I don't think I need to. I think if you need to hear more about what is happening, there are other platforms that will do that. But what I'm here to tell you is that we need to take care of ourselves when things like this are happening. I know it's a selfish response, many may think, but I know how important it is to take care of ourselves. And I know how important that has been for me. And so I just want to share that, that really focus on your mental health this time. Don't feel like it's something that you don't have to focus on because, oh, everybody's struggling with this or everybody's dealing with this. Well, yeah, everybody is and everybody should be taking care of themselves however they need to. All right. So I'm just going to leave it there and then talk about some of the other things happening this week besides all of those different methods I just referred to there. Um, there's other things going on and, and I want to get back onto a lighter note before we head into to LJ's episode. So I don't know about you guys, but I really am trying to lower my screen time overall. And I notice, you know, when I get that work hour, that shut off time, you know, you guys have heard me say this, I'm very strict with my work-life boundaries where I know the time I'm shutting off. I know the time that I'm turning on. And so at shut off time, normally I just like go to TV. Like I just want to sit down. I just want to watch like crappy reality TV. Like I'm just rewatching Vanderpump Rules right now, which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, But I just noticed I kept going to screen time. And then when I'm on screen time, maybe I'm like also like on my phone, like doing other things. And I just don't want to be doing that. And I like am almost a little nervous to look at the amount of screen time that I have, which it doesn't even account for what I'm watching on TV. But it's like there's so much time I'm in front of a screen. And even with my full time job all day long, I'm sitting in front of a computer screen. And so during these times where I'm shutting off from work and I'm trying to set those boundaries, I'm trying to do activities where they are not with a screen at all, 
and they help to, um, I don't know, get me like, like excited and happy in other ways, you know? So some things I've been doing this week, I started painting. My girlfriend, she brought all of our friends to a girl's night. She brought um, the paint by numbers thing. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's like they give you a ton of colors. There's a big picture that you end up going to paint and then you fill in all of like, it tells you like what number to do what color. And then eventually you have this beautiful painting. I will post this once I do it. But we didn't finish it because it's a lot of work. It's taking a lot of time. So this week, every day, I've been devoting a little time to painting. Painting without any other distractions going on. That's been really cool. Like, I actually really enjoy it because I'm focused. It's art, which gets me excited. And it's cool to know, hey, I'm going to have, hopefully, hopefully, a really nice picture at this. And then I also started reading, which you guys know is huge for me. I love reading. I am reading The Lion Game right now, and so far I really like it. But again, something away from the screen, it's helping me to like get those creative juices in my brain flowing again because I'm envisioning the characters, the environment, which I don't know what it is, if it's just the storyline or this author, but I am able to clearly see all of the characters and the environment around them. So it's like a really fun activity to do to just get my brain working and not being like watching TV and seeing it all in front of me. Um, and then finally, me and Kyle got a pool table. We're playing some pool. Great quality time together, competition, strategy, you know, all that good stuff. But I am being super, super cautious of my screen time and getting away from it. Um, and yeah, that's been super exciting. The other thing that's going on this week that was giving me a bit of anxiety that I definitely had to talk about in therapy and have been working through is I'm having a bit of return to office anxiety, but also work anxiety. You guys all know that I work a full-time nine-to-five job in addition to running this podcast and my business on the side, but I have been able to manage it pretty well this past year because I've been home. Um, I know every day what my day-to-day is with my current nine-to-five job. So it's been very manageable. Not easy. I'm going to say manageable. This week, I got news that my position is going to be changing drastically. I'm reporting to new people. There could be more travel involved. And as the world's opening up, I'm probably going to be doing more things in person, which just really changes the structure of my life with my current business, the speaking engagements that I'm planning on doing. It just, it is, it is something that I'm going to have to learn how to balance because I want to be able to do both in the capacity that I've been able to do this past year. And so I think actually that next week's episode is going to be a solo episode about return to office anxieties and the stress that we're experiencing post pandemic. I'm not sure. It's just a a topic I've been you know, kicking around in my head because of the anxiety that I'm experiencing. So if you guys like that topic, send me your questions and what you want me to go through next week. And I will definitely do a full episode on that. But there has been some anxiety to it. I had to go into the office this week, actually, for an in-person sales meeting, which I haven't done in a while. I mean, I did a client meeting a couple of months ago, but sales meeting with all my sales team and seeing all of my coworkers again, I was a little anxious because I'm somebody who has been saying for so long how much they love working from home and they don't want to go back to the office that I was like, no, I don't want to go back. Let me tell you guys something. I was shocked at how much I loved being back in the office. Like, I really enjoyed getting dressed up again. I loved seeing my coworkers again. And being in that environment motivated me more than I've been in a very long time with my nine to five job. Not to say I wasn't motivated, but this just sparked something in me where it, it had me thinking of new ideas and strategies that I want to implement this year. And, you know, I haven't had that in a while. So 
it was good to go to the office and I definitely love working from home, but I'm definitely more open to these in-person meetings because I think for business, I'm just seeing how that collaboration can be really cool all together. It's not necessary. I don't think, I think we've learned during these past two years during the pandemic that we can perform our jobs virtually. But I have to say there was something about being in person. It just motivated and excited me again. So I spoke about that a bit in therapy because I am having a little anxiety about how I'm going to juggle and balance things. Because when I started this podcast in my business, I was working from home and my job was the same routine every day. Now that that's changing and that routine's shifting, I'm struggling with it. And I know that I always say that we have to be open to change and ready to adapt, but change can be very hard. And this is something I am having a hard time with. I'm trying to see the positives. I'm trying to get excited about the opportunities that can come from this. But there are some anxieties I have about how my life is going to change. So if you guys are experiencing those anxieties too, send me your questions. Send me what it is that you have going on. And let's talk about that next week. But I did talk about that in therapy. And, you know, my therapist gave me a lot of great tips. And, you know, I was feeling a little guilty about some of the things that I think I'm going to do to supplement that anxiety, which is like, you know, asking for more help or taking on more people to help me with my business. Um, And I... think I saw that as a weakness, like I couldn't handle it all. She helped me to shift my mindset to view it as a success. Like it's a success that you're at a point to, to ask people for help. And I thought that was a really cool way that she had me shift my mindset because I never saw it that way at all, but she helped me to see that way. And I share that because I want you all to think of that. Like a lot of times we think of asking for help as something as weak. Like we think we have to handle it all and do it all ourselves. But I think sometimes we ask for help. It shows that we're confident in the work we're doing and we're so successful with it that we need somebody to come help us out, right? <sighs> all right, you guys. Well, I think that's that's pretty much it. I'm working on new stuff with my therapist. I think we're going to look into maybe some exposure therapy to deal with some of these severe anxieties I have, which... I don't know. I'm really not looking forward to that, but I'll keep you posted on that journey. That's (laughs) that's something else. But anyway, let's head into this awesome episode with LJ. I don't want to take any more from this episode with her. So here it is. So hello, my journeyers, and welcome to another episode of You Got This, The Journey. I'm your host, Shannon Andrus, and with me today, I have a very special guest. We have LJ Johnson, who specializes in helping women balance their hormones, live past their diagnosis of endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, fibroids, and so much more. And I'm so excited to dive into this conversation today. So LJ, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped as I'm here in the description. I'm like, that is all me. And I'm excited to delve in. I heard you got some amazing questions. So I'm excited. I'm definitely pumped. Yeah. I have to say like, besides the conversation that we're going into today, I've heard you speak in clubhouse rooms. And if I had to pick like one word to describe you, it'd be vibrant. Like I love your energy. I love the passion you have behind helping women. So I was like, I got to get her on the podcast ASAP. <laughs> I know a girl gets fired up right now. And now in clubhouse, I'm like pacing back and forth. I'm walking. I'm like so excited. I'm like, I can't stand myself, but it is, it's been a huge part of my journey. It's why I do what I do. Right. I mean, I think some of the most amazing shares on Clubhouse, some of the most amazing Instagram posts, blogs, et cetera, they come from our journey, right? And sometimes it's not always the perfect parts of our journey that we're shining like diamonds, you know, that change lives. It's sometimes the the not so great parts, you know, the low valleys that we have to work through. So yes, it is definitely my passion to just all things women's health and hormone health is my jam. I 
love everything you said, because, you know, the podcast is you got this, the journey. So obviously, you know, it's everybody's journeys and stories of how they've overcome struggles they went through and choices they made that changed their life and choices that we all can be making to make our lives better. So with that being said, before we dive into like your story and everything, can you just give the listeners a bit of a background of what it is that you do? I know I kind of said it a little bit, but I know you can say it better. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you did a really good job. You throw it out the red carpet. I'm just going to walk on it and sprinkle <laughs> a little bit of awesomeness on it. But no, I am a women's hormone coach, integrated health practitioner, um, nutritional, functional, you know, coach, whatever you want to call it. Like I got all these initials, right. But aside from all the initials, I love women's health. I love um, everything I do. I specialize in endometriosis, PCOS, and fibroids, and all those not so fun hormone imbalances, right? It can even be just basic period pain, painful sex, all the way to, hey, LJ, I've got this diagnosis of endometriosis. What do I do now, right? Like I'm definitely all over, um, just very passionate about it. I know. What can I say? Yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but... I feel like I want to set the stage that what you do is so important because the conversations that you have aren't the typical conversations that a woman's going to have when they go to their OBGYN. They're not going to talk about diet or hormones. It's going to be pretty like cut and dry. But when they come to you, it's things that like that are so important that I don't think we're talking about enough. I love how you put that. And that's why I'm like so unfiltered, so raw, maybe sometimes a little 210% me and real, but here's the deal, right? When you go to the doctor, it's kind of like, here's your diagnosis, you know, here are the symptoms or more. Oh, I think those symptoms add up to this, or, you know, I don't really know what it is, but it doesn't sound like all of these. So you're probably one of these. And Oh, by the way, did you want some birth control? Oh, you don't want birth control. Well, then I guess you just don't want to be better. Right. You're like, uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the diagnosis. And I don't even know if I understand what the diagnosis is, you know, like many times, you know, like for myself, I walked out with a diagnosis of endometriosis. I didn't really know what that was. I knew what it was doing to my body, but I didn't know the extent of the damage. I didn't know all the symptoms. I didn't know the treatments. I didn't know the natural remedies. I just knew the one thing I could do was birth control. And so I felt defeated. Right. So when you're having a conversation with me, like I definitely glean from all my personal experience, all my training, all my coaching, everything I've done, because we need to have these real conversations, right? We don't want to just sugarcoat it. Like, Oh, you just have this. It's fine. Take this vitamin. Everything will be okay. Right. There's nothing on either side of the medicine. May it be allopathic, functional health, whatever. There's not going to be that one supplement that turns your life around, right? Like, yes, you know, vitamin B is great for energy. Vitamin C is this, you know, vitamin D is a hormone. Yes, yes, yes. But we're so many times we're just waiting on that one item, right? Because when you go to allopathic medicine, it's like, here's your diagnosis. Here's your symptoms. Hey, we called in your prescription to Walgreens, go pick up your prescription downstairs. And you're like, oh, I have this problem. This is what I take. But we don't Mm -hmm. understand everything that goes on with it, right? Especially when you're dealing with hormonal imbalances, it's not just weight gain. It's not just period pain or like with endometriosis, it's not a reproductive disease. So you're talking about all kinds of quirky, weird things that could be happening to your body. You're blaming yourself. You're feeling weird. You're thinking there's something wrong with you, not knowing that everything you're going through is part of endometriosis, right? So mm-hmm. I have to, I do, I delved in, right? I have those uncomfortable conversations. Sometimes those things are like, LJ, I don't even know if you want to hear this. I don't know <laughs> if you want to see the photo. I'm like, send it to me. It doesn't bother me because these are the real conversations we need to have, right? And not only because I want to educate you, but I also think about for myself and other patients, the time that we spent in silence, right? It took Mm -hmm. me 16 years to get diagnosed. That wasn't having conversations on the couch with my mom. That wasn't having conversations with my girlfriends or my doctor. It was me thinking there was something wrong with my body. 
walking around with this diagnosis, not knowing what to do, feeling defeated, knowing there was no cure. So yes, I talk about everything. I throw it out there, you know, the painful sex, the cravings, you know, the nutrition, um, just like one of my Instagram posts, when you're frustrated, you're like, I'm doing everything. I'm taking every vitamin, every supplement. I'm doing yoga, Tai Chi, meditation, acupuncture. And you're like, I still feel like crap. Like those are the conversations we have to have, right? Because you're on a healing journey. And so it takes a lot and you need a lot of different modalities. So we have to just have those 100 conversations. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting. Cause like, I think of, you know, my own journey with like, I don't know, going to the doctor to get birth control. And then it's right. like, I say, well, I'm having really bad anxiety and I've been really depressed. Well, if you don't want to have bad periods and you don't want to get pregnant, birth control is the only option. So suck it up. And it's like, that is not my only option, but we don't talk about these things. And I have right. so many girlfriends who suffer from PCOS have had been told very scary things from their diagnosis. So I just know this is like a much needed conversation. And I'm even thinking about like my wine night with my girlfriends, like to just know how to help them, you know, if there's something that right. works from today. So I would love to start with your journey of how you got into this, because I, I know it comes from a personal experience. So can you share what happened to you that brought you to this point? Absolutely. So my diagnosis of endometriosis took 16 years. I started my period when I was 12. You know, I remember my dad coming home and giving me this big hug and this big gift, and this big <laughs> speech about you're now a woman. And I'm like, if this is being a woman, I may want to stay a baby. Right? I was like, what is this? You know, I mean, I had like nothing. I didn't know anything about pads or tampons. It just showed up. My mom was like, here you go. My dad's like, congratulations. And I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm a woman, but my parents are still bossing me around. I still have chores, but whatever. Right. And so a couple years, you know, period was whatever you just kind of, it came, it went, it was awkward. I was awkward. It was just crazy. Right. Then the pain came at the age of 14 and not just pain where, Oh, take some, my doll, you know, take something over the counter. I'm talking about pain where there were mornings I couldn't get out of the bed. And my mother was like threatening me. Like, if you don't get out of bed, you're going to, you know, lose your video game time. You're not going to your friends. You're not doing, and I'm just like, I can't get out. Like my body won't, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. a child would give you dramatic and they're like, look here, you know, but I was like, no, like all drama aside, no bad acting. I was in pain. Right. I remember as I date myself, I'm 42, but as I date myself, you know, back when I was, you know, having the period issues in high school or in junior high, it was really interesting because everyone else would run the bleachers, right? They had their period. They would just wear, you know, baggy pants, no big deal, put their pad on, pants on, whatever, right? And just do their thing, right? Versus I'm like wheezing. I can't breathe. My, not just cramps. I'm like, my back is hurting. My legs aren't working. I'm tongue tied. I'm frustrated. I'm sweating like crazy. I'm gaining weight. I get very puffy. Like I couldn't sleep with my rings because I'd wake up my hands would be like puffy. And I'm like, what's going on with me? Cause I'm like, my friends, they said they're having their period and they just have a bad attitude and they're eating chips and they're making light of it. And I'm over here, like, that's dying. so accurate. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. And you're like, so you're like, what's wrong with me? Like, yeah. what, what am I doing wrong? Right. So then you start just kind of feeling some kind of way. And so for my mother, it wasn't a priority, right? She didn't really, and I have to be very honest, I love my mother with all my heart, but she was raising four children, you know, doing the best she could. You know, my parents were married, et cetera, but she was kind of running the household. My dad was traveling. So their oldest daughter having period pain and not being able to help with the siblings and not being able to keep the flow of the family, that was not a priority. She was kind of like, pray about it, drink some water, keep going. And then she also told me a story where she's like, well, I never had pain like that. Your grandmother didn't either. So basically if she couldn't relate to it, it was not real. And so even go ahead. Sorry. I just had a question. Cause I'm just thinking like, and I don't know the statistics, but back then was endometriosis a thing or is it more common right. now? 
Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So she gave, and I'm like, to this day, I always think I'm like, did you just call grandma? Cause I don't think you just called grandma about my period cramps, but she gave me this big speech. And also as a woman of color, as a black woman, I got this big speech and I'm a strong black woman and we pushed through this, that, and the other. So then that was my mantra. I just kept pushing through. I kept pushing past the pain, but as I got older, I wasn't just not missing out on activity. I'm crawling to the bathroom, right? There's painful sex. I'm passing out. I'm vomiting. And I'm like, now I'm like, okay, I'm a little concerned. So for me personally, I spent only one semester in high school. I graduated high school early, went to college at 15 years old. So then I was kind of like, I'm the own boss of me. Right. So then I had my own insurance girl. Whoa. I'm like, just damn I'm impressed. Good for you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So that's part of my journey. So then I was like 15, kind of a badass, not really, but I was in high school. Right. And then I went to college at 15 years old. So then I had my own entrance. I kind of moved out, you know, I still stayed at my parents every so often, but I had full ride scholarship, you know, doing my own thing. I remember Kaiser was my insurance. I was all excited because I was a big girl and I was going in to finally get the care I needed for my period pain. And they were kind of like, yeah, you know what? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm passing out. I have clots. I'm like, my leg is swollen. Like, and they're just like, yeah, we're not, you know, they're not quite buying it. Plus I was really young too. Right. So then I brought my mom to a couple appointments. Well, she didn't help. Right. Cause she was kind of like, yeah, I told you just keep being strong. So all that aside, wow. it's like, I got married at 19, had my first child and it's like, it got progressively worse. Right. So that's where all the misconceptions come in. Right. If you get pregnant, you'll be better. It'll cure your endometriosis. Okay. I had two kids. I was still having problems. So then I'm like, okay, you told me if I have two children, it'll stretch everything out. I'm two kids deep. When does the stretch out happen? You know, when do I start getting some relief? Why am I still having painful sex? Why am I having all this cramping? Why am I wheezing? Why is it the week before my cycle? I can't function. Not to only mention it got to where my period pain was not just period pain. It became pelvic pain every single day. Right? So it's not just okay, I'm going to miss a week of my life. It's like, oh my gosh, now my world is revolving around it. Right. I remember a professor sitting me down. He's like, you're an amazing student when you're here, but when you're not here. And it's like, how do you explain to your male professor when you're 16 years old? Because once again, I think you're just out drinking and partying and having fun. You're like, no, I'm on my period and I can't, you know? And so luckily, you know, I made good grades and it wasn't an issue, but I, I definitely missed out on a lot, not just friends and family and events and things like that, but I just was missing out on life and it took a really, really long time. Right. I tried the birth control. Um, eventually on my journey, I tried everything. I'd done Lupron. I'd done birth control. I'd done acupuncture. Like I felt like I tried every pain pill, every procedure known to mankind. Like sometimes I have to even look at my iPad and look at the list of all the things I've done. And at the end of the day, I was frustrated. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of jumping over some, but I was frustrated. I was in pain 24 seven. I was working very hard. I worked my way up in a company for this job that I wanted. I fought my way to the top, worked my way basically from the mail room all the way to the 10th floor. Right. Got the job and then had to go in two weeks later in tears explaining that I didn't think I could keep the position because there were days that I couldn't walk, right? How am I going to travel the world and tell other people how great fitness and nutrition is when I can't get off the couch, right? Or what happened is I went to it, you know, I stayed at a Marriott presentation, right? Everyone's downstairs waiting for me. I'm upstairs and can't walk, can't breathe, right? And at this point, your endometriosis is not diagnosed. You didn't know it yet, right? Wow. No still undiagnosed, right? Still period pain that I just needed to push past. So finally, around my early thirties, I got diagnosed with endometriosis. And I have to be honest, it was like, a, I, you know, I don't know how to put it. A weight had been lifted yet. 
it wasn't like, Hey, you have endometriosis. Thank God we figured it out. Here's what we can do. It was like, yeah, you have endometriosis. And they didn't really come out and say, we didn't have a lot of information, but they really didn't not to mention what they told me was bare minimum. Cause I pretty much diagnosed myself. And so I, it, you know, I hate to say it. Some of my best research was at two or three o'clock in the morning when everyone else is sleeping, but I was in pain, right? That was back in the day mm-hmm. where we didn't have Instagram and clubhouse and all of these forums. I mean, I'm old school. I was like in babycenter.com talking to other moms, like, Hey, are you having these problems? So am I, you know, what's going on? Is it because I had the baby, you know, I had no support, no, whatever. So I basically self-diagnosed myself the days you print everything else when we're killing trees, right? Printed off all these papers, took it in. And I'm like, here, you know, I think this is what it is. And my doctor's like, oh my gosh. And they're like, we think you're onto something, but they're like, you know, that's when I got the whole well, yeah, like we told you five or six years ago, you should just go back on the birth control. And I'm like, I thought once we got a diagnosis that once that weight was lifted, it was like, all right, LJ, here we go. It's time to get you going. But it was like, no, it was just a repeat of everything I'd heard for the last 16 years. And at that point, I'm like, when I talk about quality of life, by then I got divorced and I would never say, uh, you know, endometriosis caused my divorce. But what I will say is when I was younger, I did not know how to communicate to my partner what was going on to my through my body because I was young. I got married at 19. I didn't even know what was going on with my body, right? Like I was essentially a baby having a baby, right? Like I was very young. I got married. I had children because um, I graduated high school. I was 15. So my timeline was different, right? So I didn't even know what was going on. The communication skills I have now at 42 were not the communication skills I had at 18 and 19. So explaining to my ex-husband, you know, current ex-husband, but husband at the time that I wasn't in the mood that I felt like chainsaws were going through my, you know, it's like, they didn't want to hear that. He just thought I was into him. So we're talking about quality of life, you know, relationships with my ex-husband or husband at the time, raising children, not being able to take them to the park, texting neighbors to take your kids to the neighborhood park, which is like three homes down. It wasn't like a, a day trip. Like I couldn't get off the couch to get the bikes and the tricycles to go down the street to take my children. I'd sleep on the couch at times because I couldn't walk up the stairs to get to my own bedroom on the second floor. Right. So when that all started to come, I was like, I felt defeated, you know, and yes, I'm excited and charismatic, but you know, when you're having those bad days and you feel like there's no hope in sight. And I really get emotional about this. It's like, people are like, well, you're just so positive. And it's like, but I've been there. Right. I'm so positive now because I've got the answers and I'm like, thank God I've gotten on the other side. But I remember what it was like when my entire world was revolving around pelvic pain and bleeding and cramping and medications. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very humbling to have to, you know, go to court when you're talking about custody and things like that and try to explain that you're, you know, you're not a drug addict and that you're not painful seeking, but you have this crazy disease that you don't know what's going on with your body. Right. Like those are very humbling experiences, you know, when you feel like you're, and not to mention my goal, you know, is at that time was traveling the world and educating other women. And it's like when my own body, I felt like was betraying me. Right. It was just very, very surreal. So eventually I got to a point where I was like, I've got to have a hysterectomy. I felt like I had no other option. Um, And I, I always tell this story and it's the part where it's, it was life-changing for me. And like I said, I get very emotional because I felt like I'd done everything. I'm giving myself chills. Like I felt like I'd done everything, but it wasn't working. I tried everything, you know, as far as conventional medicine, I spent all this money on Lupron. My insurance wouldn't pay with this. I pulled it out of my savings. I pulled it out of my retirement. I worked, you know, we did what we needed to do. And so eventually I scheduled the hysterectomy and essentially what happened is they couldn't get me in 
for six or seven months. So I say this every time people like you have the most amazing programs. I get so much success. They're like, how did you come up with this? And I'm like, real talk. I had to have a surgery. I scheduled my hysterectomy. They couldn't get me in for six or seven months. And during that time, I selfishly was like, look here, I have got to find a way to make a year's worth of income in six months. Cause after that hysterectomy as a single parent, I'm going to be down and out for the count. I'm not going to have any income. I've got to, you know, I've got to pay a nanny for my kids. So that motivation to get me through to my hysterectomy, that is what changed my world. Like I had to change my nutrition, my fitness, my mindset, like all of these changes. So by the time I got to pre-op, went to the appointment, we're going in, we're doing MRIs, you know, doing all the scans, get me ready. And my doctor's like, so you seem like you're doing better. I'm like, yeah, like I've been doing this, that, and the other. And I'll never forget, like my own OB brought in his, um, his mentor and his mentor looked at both of us and he's like, so why did you guys schedule this direct me? And we're like, but you don't understand. You're like, I know everything looks awesome now, but we're like, look at all the previous blood work and scans. And he's just like, well, clearly what you're doing is working. And I'm like, okay. So that is when I was able to put that surgery on the back burner. And I still had the same OB. I do have, I have two OBs. And he always has told me if I ever come in or call the office and like, Hey, I'm ready to have this direct me. But that was when I was in, in my early thirties, it's been about 10 years and I haven't needed it. And so it was wow. a long, long road. Right. So that's why I get so excited on clubhouse. Cause I'm like, there is hope. It's just hard to see it when you're in that pain flare and your toolbox is empty. You don't have the support. Nobody believes you. You're in so much pain. You can't even articulate what's going on. Right. At that moment. Yeah. That's not your high point. Right. Like you're very discouraged, but yeah, that is why I get so excited. Cause I'm like, I've been there, but there's definitely hope, but you got to put in the work and you got to partner with someone that knows what's going on. Essentially. Yeah. I thank you so much for your vulnerability and for sharing your story, because there's so many parts of that, that like, I know women who can relate to that, like who right. like have literally described it the same way where they want to be intimate with their partner, but it feels like a chainsaw, like literally, and they can't describe it. I can't relate to it because I haven't gone through this, but there's so many women who do go through this and who have terrible periods where they can't do their day to day because of the pain that they're in. So, and, and you know, what bothers me is like, it was like, you finally got an answer. Like they told you, okay, it's endometriosis with no solution. All they get did was give you a label. Like that's literally all they did. So my question is, so those six to seven months leading up to your hysterectomy, like, were you seeing a specialist or did you just do your own research and know, okay, here's where I got changed my diet all on my own. I mean, like I said, I'm old school. I was on, it was me and Dr. Google and baby center. Honey, that was back in the MySpace days. <laughs> we were just, we were literally not quite in the metaverse. Then we were just searching the internet and I, I did it all on my own. A lot of books from the library a lot of research, um, going back through all my training and education over the years, you know, really like I was desperate, right? Like I knew the surgery was going to take me out for at least another six months recovery. So I was like, you know, real core, you know, real hardcore as a parent, I'm like, well, I gotta be able to provide for my family. So I need to get this pain under control today. Right? Like I got a month to get this pain under control. And then I got six months to bust my butt do double time. So that at that six months, my income and my, you know, household, everyone's taken care of. I got the new nanny schedules, everything set up so I can actually recover. Cause I knew I didn't have any additional help. And that is where everything just changed. Yeah. I mean, you made a choice there and, and somebody could have easily made the choice of, well, 
in six months, this will be fixed. And until then, I'm just going to suffer. And that is probably a choice that a lot of people could have made. But you are totally a woman of action. And I could tell that you were like, no, I got to do something. (laughs) I am. And I'm like that now, like even with my patients, you know, sometimes they're just like, well, how soon am I going to get results and this? And I'm like, we have to be consistent. But let's be honest, if we're doing something, you know, a couple weeks, two, three months, and you're not getting any success. I, I'm smart enough. Like I want, I want to see some results. I'm like, I know you want results. And I'm like, as your practitioner, like, honey, I need to see us moving the needle as well. So I'm not going to have you out there doing the same old, same old. And that's where people get discouraged. Cause they're like, you say change nutrition. You're like, well, I'm vegan. I'm pescatarian. I'm keto I'm paleo, all these, but I'm like, I'm telling you, there's just little bitty things that are so different when it comes to balancing hormones. You know, what works for me is different for you than different than someone else. And there's those little intricacies when it comes to nutrition that can make a huge difference, but you just get discouraged, right? You're like, I tried dairy free. I tried gluten free. I tried all these things. So yes, I'm very, very action oriented. I'm like, I need to see some results. You need to see them, but I need to see them as well. (laughs) Well, and this is great because there are choices we can make. You either accept the diagnosis and you let it rule you, or you make choices to be in control of it. So I would love to hear because I, and I really like that you pointed out that like, I will have a different diet versus somebody else of how it's going to help me and my hormones. Like it's not, you know, like one size fits all. So how do you go about helping your patients find like the recipe for them? Right, right. So I like to start with them telling me exactly what's going on, right? I mean, may it be period pain, because when we're talking dealing with endometriosis, there can be so many different symptoms, right? Maybe you have chronic sinus infections and cystic acne and horrible sciatica pain, right? Like, Wait, I'm like oh, chronic cool. sinus infections? I had no idea. That is a common symptom. So the sinus infections and the migraines, I kind of roll them together because usually there's some type of fungal overgrowth going on in your gut, right? With all that chronic inflammation, constipation, estrogen dominance. And so it can show up as chronic sinus infections. Yes. Wow. So I've had four sinus surgeries. I mean, I can smell anything from here to Colorado. And I'm like, I can smell anything. Like everything's opened up up there, but it was once again. And I, I don't know that we even talked about that, but with endometriosis, it's not a reproductive disease. It is chronic systemic inflammation throughout your entire body. It is uterine like tissue outside of the uterus, right? So it's not in the uterus, which is why quotations, hysterectomies don't cure endometriosis because hysterectomies will remove the uterus, right? Mm-hmm. But endometriosis is not inside of the uterus. So it's creating its own hormones, its own brain, you know, blood flow. So it can be throughout your entire body. So that systemic inflammation can definitely be causing those migraines and those headaches. So also after that, I like to go to like food intolerances. Like what have you tried? What are your food triggers? So many times, and I'm not bashing if you're gluten-free or dairy-free or anything, but we grab these titles, you know, for example, I did keto for a while, right? So if anyone talks about carbs, I'm like, oh honey, I don't, that carbs are a cuss word. I'm like, I'm keto, I'm high fat, I miss, right? But here's the deal. Even when I was doing that, there were certain foods that I had to remove because it was speeding the inflammation, right? So I think sometimes when we just grab a title and we're like, oh, I'm paleo, I'm this, that, and the other, then we're like, oh, my nutrition's cured, moving on to the next. And it's like, not quite. Like, let's get in there. Let's see what those food triggers are. Are we reading labels, right? There's some people, they're like, I want to do the fun, sexy stuff. This is the fun, sexy stuff, right? Sometimes you are gluten-free, dairy-free, this, that, and the other, but maybe you're vegan or vegetarian, but you're doing a bunch of processed foods, right? You're not looking at the labels and looking at how much, you know, junk and toxins you're getting in, right? The fake 
meat, the fake this, the fake cheese, the that, and the other, you know, maybe your body's just on toxic overload. And that's a big one when you're dealing with fibroids, right? Like your body is basically wrapping toxins and just, you know, wrapping them in fibroids, wrapping them in cysts, this, that, and the other. So it's like, we have to really assess what toxins you're bringing in. What are your trigger foods? Right. And I know it's really easy to be like, no, this, no, this, no, that, mm-hmm. right. Well, we could all do that, you know, no, this, that, and the other, then it's like, okay, I've got air and water. What do <laughs> I do? Right. So this is the thing, right? If you're trying to heal your body, you've got to hyper nourish your body. This restrictive diet thing, which I know a lot of it comes with um, fibroids. I mean, it happens with fibroids, but it, mostly the complaints when you're talking about PCOS and endometriosis is the weight gain, right? Mm-hmm. So then there's that mindset of I'm going to over-exercise or not exercise at all, but I'm going to eat a thousand calories. You know, I'm going to do a shake for breakfast because, you know, I'm trying to lose weight and I'm going to do another shake for dinner. And then I'm going to, you know, work out and do all, and it's like, no, 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 no. We have to change that mindset of hyper-nourishing the body. The body's not going to dissolve cyst, you know, the body's not going to heal and naturally, you know, decrease inflammation on, you know, 500 calories, your body is in fight or flight, right? So it's mm-hmm. a lot of mindset work because most of us have gained the weight, you know, or you're underweight. So you're, or you're afraid to eat, you know, healthy fats because you think fats are going to make you that, right? So there's all of these things that I like to start with because everyone I, so many times people start working with me and they're like, oh, we can just skip the nutrition because I'm this, I'm that. And I'm like, okay, let's just dial it in a little bit, see what's going on. And then after a couple sessions, they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize like my favorite protein bar still had corn and gluten. And I didn't even, and it's like, yeah, because it's on the label, but you looked at the label, which said keto or paleo or vegetarian or, you know, organic. And you just assume since it came from whole foods, AKA whole paycheck. And it said organic, that it was the best thing in the world, but that could be your trigger food, but it takes a fresh set of eyes looking in the situation, right? When you're in it, you don't, you know, it was even for me, like I was knocking back, I hate to admit it, but I was knocking back those soy protein shakes after the gym, mm-hmm. I teach a class and honey, we were all soy protein. That was the big <laughs> thing we heard at a conference, right? So then we're all telling everyone and it's like, soy was feeding my endometriosis. Like It was not helping me in any way, but I had to really like hit rock bottom, get some research, you know, get some help. Eventually there were people that I started bouncing ideas off of, but a lot of it I had to do on my own, which is why when I work with my patients, I have to really take myself back to when I was doing it alone and those pitfalls, because they're typically the same pitfalls, the same misconceptions. Yeah. So this is, this is so interesting to me because I know that diet plays a huge huge factor in our life. I mean, I've talked to people of how it affects our mental health. And clearly as you're speaking, it affects, you know, women with our hormones, definitely and endometriosis and PCOS. And so I think it's like, you know, definitely looking at what's not being over-processed, what's natural and organic, but then through the work with you, you help them. I I don't want to say eliminate, but kind of the elimination process based on like their results. Is that right? Right. It's getting rid of the trigger foods and bringing the foods in. I think most of the time when you're in pain, you're like, I know I can't eat chips. I know I can't do dairy. I can't do popcorn. But then at the end of the day, when I'm like, okay, well, what's in your food journal? And you're like, well, I don't really know what to eat. And so I stay really strong till seven o'clock. But then at seven o'clock, I give in and just eat whatever. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'd rather us bring in some nutrients earlier in the day, right? Because then by seven, you're just like famished and you're like, give me whatever. You're definitely not looking at labels. You're not looking at the nutritional value, not to mention you're saying you want to heal your body, 
but you know, you're not, you know, you're not eating, you know, and it's not like you're fasting. You're just literally not eating because you don't know what to eat. Or I remember a lot of times I would not eat because I knew I had to be productive in an hour. And if I were to eat something and I had to go work, then I was going to be bloated, that I may be very gassy, that I may have my blood sugar spike. And then I'd be Mm -hmm. sweating and having hot flashes. So it wasn't that I was starving my body. I just knew, gosh, I could be productive in an hour. There's no way I can eat right now because my stomach's going to be really bloated and I'm going to be uncomfortable. And I didn't bring a change of clothes, like hardcore. It was like, these are my only pants, right? I can't be really bloated in the next hour. I got to be on stage for a presentation. So it's like, oh, I'll eat later, right? And then later, you know, you're either really hungry, so you just eat whatever, or you're not making the proper decision. So there's definitely mm-hmm. some elimination, but it's just remembering that we have to hyper nourish our body and that looks different for everyone. Okay. So my next question then, because I'm thinking about this with me and I'm just like a foodie and I snack and love everything. Right, right. And whenever I hear elimination, even though like, I know there's things that like, we don't want to overdo in our diet, but it does get me like, like almost like a little anxious. Like I don't want to cut out ice cream. Like I, there are foods that we all love, but I feel like if you, if you're having enough of the nutrients, it balances out not having any of that. And then just diving into the the crap (laughs) for a lack of a better word. It crowds it out, right? Like think about it. If we got off this podcast right now and it's dinner time and I'm like, okay, not sure what I'm going to eat. Um, I'll just have, you know, a big salad and then I'll figure out the rest. Right. It's like, if I'm having all those fruits and vegetables and all those nutrients, yeah, I may still crave, you know, a taco or whatever, but you know, I'm probably only going to have one taco right now versus if I've been starving all day, then I probably eat six tacos. Right. And just go along. And even then it's all that sugar. It's going to spike my blood sugar, you know, either then I'm going to be in a sugar coma, (laughs) you know, or something like that. So it's, it's finding ways to really work with your body. Mm. Um, and it's different, right? What works for an endo warrior, you know, also known as someone that has endometriosis, it's going to be different than someone that, you know, dealing with PCOS, PCOS. And even then I hate to say it, there's four types of PCOS. And so, so many people are just like, you know, wearing the PCOS badge, but they don't know if it's post pill, if it's inflammatory, if it's adrenal, like they're not sure which one it is. And so it's like, okay, if we don't even know what type of PCOS we're dealing with, how can we, you know, bring in the proper nutrition? So it's a lot of self-education. And I know some people are like, all right, this is where I pause and pass this episode. But I'm telling you, once you get the education and you empower yourself, it makes it so much easier, right? Like I don't always eat perfect, but I'm very strict with my foods. But there are times where I know certain things don't work for my body. Or I also look at people's blood type because that's something, you know, once again, people like to do the fun, trendy, sexy stuff, but like, looking at your blood type, like there's certain foods that may not work for your body. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's where we're comparing ourselves. Like, Oh my gosh, well, she's doing this, that, and the other. And it's like, those peppers could be amazing for her. And then maybe if you have endometriosis, those nightshades, possibly you're dealing with a lot of inflammation and fungal overgrowth in your gut, you know, SIBO, candida, you know, SIBO, whatever, then those peppers aren't going to work good for you. They're going to be inflammatory. Right. So it's being able to identify the triggers. And usually when you've been in pain for so long, you've had the diagnosis for so long, you're pretty over it. And you just need someone to kind of sniper in and bring those suggestions to the table. Yeah. And you know what? Like these are things I've never personally had this conversation with my doctor. And I would be shocked if anybody listening has had these conversations, they're not happening. So I think it is important because I like the way that you put it. Like you're just wearing the label thinking it's that's it, but there's so much deeper work that goes into it. And I think nutrition, you know, it's balanced. Like it really, it's so balanced. And that's what I'm getting from you. And I'm curious, like in addition to the nutrition piece of it, um, what about like supplements or other things? Do you ever work with that or do you stick Yes. Okay. 
So, and I love my supplements, but I'm going to put it out here. And this is the thing. It is called a supplement, right? Usually what happens is I start working with people and I'm like, tell me what you're taking there. I mean, kid you not taking 20 to 30 different supplements. And I'm like, cause what happens is, is some girl on TikTok, she had really cute <laughs> leggings and a hot body. She said to buy this, you bought that. Someone on Instagram said, buy this detox tea. You bought that tea. Then you bought this. Then you bought that because it's trending, right? Like everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, vitamin D, we got to get it. It's winter. So, and it's like, do you even need vitamin D or you just heard it was trending and you grabbed it. So usually they're doing a bunch of supplements. So typically we have to kind of cut back on them, not to mention they're not really pharmaceutical grade, right? The supplements I work with are pharmaceutical grade. I'm not going to be sending you to Amazon or eBay or something like that. Like these are going to be really based upon like your blood work, what's going on. So I like to bring in supplements, but what I like to remind people is they're there to supplement right Mm -hmm. now. Maybe some supplements you may be on for two or three years. Right. But the goal would be that eventually you're not always bringing in another supplement, right? Let's bring in some whole foods. Let's open up the detox pathways. Let's start sweating. I mean, once again, it's January. I'm going to be honest. Detox is a buzzword right now, right? Everyone wants to detox. Everyone wants to cleanse. And it's like, okay, as you're buying all these supplements, did you ever just think that sweating, right? Is it's free detox. Like it's detoxification, right? But they're like, oh no, I didn't. I didn't sweat for 45 minutes today, but I drank, I drank a detox tea and I took this, that, and the other. And it's like, okay, so what can we do naturally <laughs> where we're not always relying on supplements? I mean, once again, I love them, but I feel sometimes we're over supplementing and we don't even know why we're taking them. Um, I've had people work with practitioners before and they're like, I don't know. They just told me to take this calcium and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well, did they tell you why is it based on, I don't remember. I just, she told me eight years ago and I'm like, so you're still taking it eight years later. Is it helping? I don't think it's helping. And it's like, okay. And they just added another supplement on us. Right. And this is something that I think is such a challenge for women. And I don't see men struggling with this at all because men decide that they're going to go to the gym this morning and they lose five pounds. Like women, we are trying every single thing that we see, like the, the, the wraps I've seen people try the teas, um, the different supplements. And it's like everywhere we're seeing these people who it's working or quote unquote work. And we don't really know. We're inundated. Like I always say the pills, potions, and the lotions. Everywhere you go, the pills, especially January, everyone's going to detox. Everyone's going to juice cleanse. Everyone's going to fast. It's like all this, but it's like, you do realize that you could gently detox your body every single day, all year long, and not have to do this big dump of toxins and throw yourself into a healing crisis. Right. Yeah. It's reminding people of that. And they're like, oh yeah, I could sweat every day. I'm like, something that simple, right. Versus to just purge everything out. And then you, you know, you're having rashes, you can't sleep at night, you know, you're having diarrhea, like all your body's in a healing crisis, but you're like, oh, that's okay. I'm going to push through. And it's like, well, you could gently detox your body and make healthier choices throughout the entire year versus dumping all that stuff in your system at once. Yeah. And you know, what happens too, is when people do these like major dumps where like they're trying what they saw online or they're, they're doing this fast trend or whatever, they do it for like a week, maybe two weeks. And then after that they fall off and that's when they go crazy with like binge eating, yes. no exercise. Cause they're burnt out. Like what you're providing is sustainable because Correct. it's not this like drastic damaging <laughs> thing that people are doing. Right. Right. That's so true. Especially with the diets and the gimmicks. I even hate to use the word diet. I mean, you want to make it a lifestyle, a nutrition change, but think about it. Those diets where you lose the 20 pounds in one month, this, that, and the other, I always ask people, is it sustainable? Mm-hmm. Could you live off of 800 calories and two protein shakes 
for the next 40 years and heal your body and have quality of life. If you're on a fertility journey, you know, could you do that and get pregnant? Cause your baby is shopping from mom's stores. If mom's store, you know, is only bringing in saltine crackers and two protein shakes and a small salad. How is that enough nutrients? Like to really, like, we have to start thinking about this long-term, but like you said, the culture that we live in, it's the quick fix. You know, we want everything now we want Amazon. We want to order at 445, pay the extra 299 have it at our doorstep between five and 10 PM, right here. In yes. Arizona. Now today, an extra $3. So it's this Amazon, you know, microwave society. And I just, I think we have to get to a point, even for myself, it was like, okay, that's not working long-term. It's mm-hmm. not working long-term. And then I'm the person searching on Dr. Google every night, looking for the newest trend, the new, you know, lemonade mix and cayenne pepper and molasses and all of these things, right? You're just hopping from one trend to the next. And I hate to say it, open your eyes, open your ears. It's really imbalancing your hormones even the more. That's right. why you lose right. the 20 pounds, you get back 35. You lose five pounds, you gain 15. Like it's because it is not sustainable and it's doing more damage than you can imagine. Yes. And I don't think people realize that is that it's, it is causing damage to our hormones. And it's so interesting because like during the pandemic, I started fasting because I was like, you know what? I just want to eat crap at night. So I'm just going to like fast during the day. And then eventually I stopped doing that because I thought of, is this sustainable? And it's like, well, no, because when I get pregnant, and I have to, you know, feed for me and the baby. Like I can't be fasting. And when I'm a mom, like it's not sustainable. And so then once I found a diet I or plan, I, I, I don't know why I don't like the word diet. It's like so yeah. silly. It's like once we found a nutrition plan, right. That was sustainable. That's like, when I finally got results. It, that is like literally when it happened. Oh my gosh. Well, we have so many journey or questions that came in that I definitely want to get to because these are going to be some good conversations and you Holy. guys. Yeah. These are going to be awesome. So you guys, thank you so much for sending in your questions. And as a reminder, if you ever have questions for any guests or me on any episodes coming up, just follow me on at you got this, the journey on Instagram. That's at you got this, the journey. We ask for questions for our guests. You'll see who they are like LJ today. who We have a ton of questions for, and you could be a part of the fun. So LJ first question, I've heard that diet affects PCOS. What do you, what advice do you have on that? Which I feel like we covered this a lot. Yes. So, so is there anything that we, we said or that we did not say <laughs> that we could talk nutrition, about? Nutrition plays a role, but before you lock and load and just, you know, die for, and you know, go in all 110% before you commit to a nutrition plan, figure out what type of PCOS you have, because there's going to be those small intricate, you know, details that are going to be a little bit different, right? If you're dealing with inflammatory PCOS, versus post-pill PCOS, there's going to be changes. Also, I would say ditch the word diet, just let it go and think nutrition, think fuel for your healing journey. Love that. Yeah. You guys definitely find out which one you have first, because I don't know about anybody else. I didn't know there were different kinds of PCOS. Yeah. 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 And we'll put my links and all that fun stuff. And I've got a freebie that helps you decide, you know, what type of PCOS you are. So you can definitely go to that link and download that and figure it out. Awesome. Yeah. And you guys have obviously going to tag LJ everywhere. So like she will not be hard to find. You will be able to get to her and work with her, see her courses, all the freebies and all that, which we'll definitely talk about. Um, so next one, I feel like my birth control is, and actually this is something that I suffer with too. So I'm very curious to hear more about this. I feel like my birth control is causing anxiety and messing with my hormones, but I'm afraid to get off of it. Any advice? 
Yes. Well, I would talk to your practitioner and see if there's a way to get off of it, if they would recommend it. Cause I don't know all your stories, right? I'm a practitioner, but I'm not your practitioner. So you sound <laughs> not in line. But yes, it is very, very common, right? So here's the deal. When you start taking birth control, there are certain, certain nutrients that you're no longer uptaking. You're, you're nutrient deficient. So when you're thinking of anxiety, you're probably just like, oh my gosh, I'm anxious, anxious, I'm craving, I'm this, that, and the other. Your body is more like, man, I'm really low on magnesium, B12, this, that, and the other. So the first thing I would do is look at your nutrition and see what you can do to really bring more nutrients in, not necessarily running out for a supplement. Now, if you're not taking a good quality multivitamin, I would definitely recommend that because it's the nutrient deficiency that's starting to add up, right? That's really what it is, right? You may have not felt it week one, week two, but maybe you've been on it for a few years. Your body is deficient, right? So you Mm -hmm. need to replace those nutrients because those symptoms, the way I explain it is like those symptoms of anxiety and cravings and moodiness and bloating and weight gain. That's your check engine light, right? If you got in your car right now and you had a flat tire, would you put your whole family in and be like, oh, we're only going to go 50 miles with a flat tire. It wouldn't be safe. Right. But when we have the anxiety or all the other things, we're just like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just figure it out later. It's like, no, your body. So I would say, let's figure out what nutrients you're deficient on, what foods you need to bring in that would really help. And then I do work with people to transition them on and some to transition off of birth control, because there are things you can do to set yourself up for success so that you don't come off and your body doesn't spiral. Right. Cause that's no fun as well. Yeah, that's so interesting because it's actually the next question that we have is I'm worried that when I get off of my birth control, my hormones are going to be so out of whack. Any advice? This is honestly something that I worry about too. As much as I feel like my birth control is causing anxiety, I've been on it since I was 16 and I'm 27. So like, that's a long time. So I'm worried Mm -hmm. about who I'll be when I stop taking this every day. Right. You'll be the same person, right? (laughs) Hormones are going to fluctuate, but you have to remember the birth control was really just a band-aid, right? It just quieted all your hormones. So things are going to fluctuate, right? You're going to take the birth control of the picture and your body's going to be like, oh, you're not bossing us around anymore. You want us to do our job. You want your ovaries and everything to do. Oh, look, okay. So they're going to have to kickstart, right? You give them the 10-year, 11-year vacation, right? Now you're telling them to come back to work, right? It's kind of like when you're on Christmas break, you got to come back the first couple of weeks. You're like, dang, I really enjoyed being home with my family. <laughs> You know, your body's like, oh crap, you want me to do my job? So it's like, be ready for that transition. But there are things you can do, right? The biggest thing I would say is start getting the nutrients in, right? Start really looking at your nutrition, right? Now, if you're not willing to change your nutrition, and I've actually never said that, but as I think about it out loud, if you're not willing to make some lifestyle changes, I wouldn't just go into my practitioner and be like, hey, I'm coming off birth control February 1st. You know, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, go for it. It'll be great. I wouldn't recommend it. If you're not willing to make some lifestyle changes and nutrition changes, I would keep that bandaid on until you're ready. Okay. So then I, I have a question then, cause I'm thinking about this. If you're somebody who is fairly active and you currently do have good nutrition, do you think they have less of a hard time coming off of birth control because their nutrition already is good or? Well, depending on what I don't, once again, what is good nutrition, right? I don't yeah. know what you consider good nutrition, but if you're properly nourishing your body, right? If your body is deficient, then it's going to be more challenging to come off the birth control. Because like I said, those hormones, you basically told your body to take a break. Now you're calling them back and being like, Hey, I'm going to need to start working, you know, in the next three days. Well, they've been retired for 10 years, right? There's going to be a transition. That's the best way I can explain it. Yes. So hyper nourish the body. 
Um, and definitely partner with someone. If this isn't, I wouldn't come on. I wouldn't go on birth control without partnering. I wouldn't come off without partnering, right? May it be with myself or with your doctor or dietitian, nutritionist, get another set of eyes on there because you need someone that can really walk you through the protocol, right? There are things that you can do. Um, I mean, just even random things like when people come off birth control and they're like, my body was more inflamed. I felt more puffy. I was having joint pain. I'm like, okay, magnesium baths, right? It's not going to fix everything, but magnesium, you're, you're definitely deficient on magnesium because of the birth control. Magnesium is really great. Also, if you're blood type B, we need that extra, you know, magnesium. It's very calming. It helps with pain flares. Like some of this stuff you're not going to know on your own. Right. And you don't want to, I mean, I've been doing this a good minute. You don't want to be researching all night, trying to figure it out. So it's like hiring someone and helping you really just helps you get there a lot quicker um, without navigating it on your own. And it taking, you know, too long, or especially like you said, if you're coming off birth control and you're ready to start a family, then, you know, you've got a, a timeline there, right? So you want to yeah. make sure you're making the most of your time. Wow. Yeah. You guys, nobody has to go on their journey alone, especially when it comes to hormones, because mentally to take care of ourselves, I think this is so important. So yeah, definitely get connected with your doctor or somebody like LJ who can help you during the process. It's so important. Um, okay. So this is a question. This one kind of makes me sad because I have so many friends who have suffered with this diagnosis, but I've been told by my doctor that because I have PCOS, it will be very difficult for me to have kids. Is that true? Is there anything else I can do? It is challenging when you're dealing with PCOS, if you have not been properly managing it. Right. So there's a lot to there's a lot that goes into it. There's definitely hope, right? So some people think with endometriosis, you can't have children. I have two, right? I didn't have any fertility issues. I had a bunch of other symptoms, right? So definitely do not just think because I have PCOS, I'm going to have fertility issues, but you definitely want to be working with someone, right? Because that chronic systemic inflammation is doing a lot more than just cyst on your ovaries and little things like that, right? The puffy hands, the bloating, the things that are annoying you, there's just a lot more going on. Also doing a Dutch test, right? Really looking at your hormone levels, seeing where they're at, that can help you with planning, right? Maybe your body isn't methylating, you know, vitamin B correctly, or it's not detoxing, you know, a certain phase of your liver. Like this is the stuff you really need to know because when you're dealing with fertility issues, most people are thinking the here and now, right? But it's some of the choices that were made three years, five years ago, six months ago, that is being reflected in your challenges right now. Wow. and and. I think this is good to to hear because like some of my friends who I know suffer with this, like they're not at the point where they're having kids yet. So it's a good time now to get ahead of it or start right. like treating it so that when that time comes, you're better prepared. So I think it's really good to know. Um, okay. So the next one, my PCOS sometimes causes severe pain during sex. Any advice on better ways to treat my PCOS so that it doesn't cause issues with intimacy? But say if you're having painful sex, and like I said, I don't know exactly all the details for your situation, but sounds like a lot of inflammation down there, right? So I would try to decrease the inflammation with nutrition, which we've talked a lot about. Um, you can also do vaginal suppositories sometimes. Those can be very helpful to just kind of calm down any inflammation. You can do different positions. But once again, those are all kind of band-aids, right? You want to get to the root of the problem. Another thing, I know in the endo world, endometriosis, we're always thinking of a pelvic physical therapist. But when it comes to PCOS and fibroids, I feel like maybe fibroids a little, they're like, okay, pelvic PT, but I think PCOS there's usually not a lot of pain with PCOS. So they just kind of 
put the pelvic physical therapist or the physiatrist on the back burner. They're like, oh, I do kegels and that's it. And here's the thing. If everything's inflamed and tight, right, doing those kegels, they can be very helpful if that's what you need to do, but you need to relax those muscles. So if there's a lot of tension down there, it can also be referral pain, nerve pain. So I would say, I know most people with PCOS do not think about a pelvic physical therapist, but I would say you need to go every year. I work with one and she's amazing and she recommends you go every year, just like your OB. So I would say definitely decreased inflammation. There's vaginal suppositories. There's different blends that can really help to decrease the inflammation, different, you know, sexual positions. But once again, those are all just little things. I would definitely meet with the pelvic physical therapist as well, just to see if there's something structurally going on. down there. Yeah. You know, and, and something like I was very, you know, happy that the journeyer sent this in and journeyer, thank you so much for being vulnerable and submitting that. But I think it's good because there's probably so many people out there who are like, I don't know. They feel awkward or embarrassed to say that they're having problems during sex. Right. Look, sex is important. Like meet with somebody like LJ or like who's confidential and can give you advice or tell you who to talk to. But like, mm-hmm. I just don't want anybody to be like embarrassed if like, you know, it's something yeah, that you, you got to talk about. OB yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to mention that you're just like, yeah, I have my period. Yeah. There's, but you're not like, oh my gosh, when, you know, there's penetration or when I decide, yeah, yeah, you don't usually go in with that freedom. You're just kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, um, bye, you know, and then you still are walking around in pain um, or you wait till it's really bad and then it's causing these relationship issues. And then you have no one to confide in. You don't know who to talk to. And then I, that was me. I was just internalizing. I'm like, I guess it's just me. I guess I'm doing something wrong. And there was just a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So guys, don't be embarrassed. Talk to somebody about it. It's all good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Final question. As I've gotten older, I'm having such a hard time losing weight. And I know this is because of the change in my hormones. I try to eat right. I exercise daily, but I'm still struggling. Any advice? Yes, you are correct. What worked in our twenties and thirties do not work in our forties and fifties and beyond. Definitely, possibly you're in perimenopause or going into menopause. And so I would say just back to the Dutch test, right? It's dried urine test. Yes, you can do the blood work. And I know everyone's like, oh, my doctor did my blood draw. But the dried urine test is really helpful to let us know a lot more about the pathways, what's going on, if you need to bring in some hormone replacement, what needs to happen. But I would say get to the root of the problem because the weight loss and the weight gain, once again, we add that as our goal. You know, it's a new year. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to gain muscle. I'm going to do this. But it's like that weight loss is really a symptom of what's really going on. If you can get to the root of the problem, the weight will come off when you heal the dis-ease, right? So you need to figure out what the dis-ease, what the issue is. And then once you start that healing journey, the weight loss, the inflammation, all those things will come. It's just as women, cause I've been there, right? We're focused on, we got to lose weight. We're focused on this. We're focused on that, but it's like, well, if we would just take care of the issue, all these other little things that we're spending all this time, you know, the cystic acne that happens with PCOS, a lot of people don't even know they have PCOS, mm-hmm. right? So they're just going to the dermatologist, but it's like, once you figure out you have PCOS, you're like, okay, now I know how to address the cystic acne, right? That's why running to the dermatologist isn't helping your skin or it's just working topically and not getting to the root. So I would say still check your hormones, right? Unless you're full blown in menopause or maybe you're, you know, and even with menopause, make sure that you haven't had a cycle for 12 months because most people are like, yeah, I was, it, my period left for nine months. It came back for like a week, but it's been gone for another six. I'm telling you, and it comes back for an hour. 
you got to start the 12 month clock over. So make sure (laughs) you get the hormones checked and then you're absolutely correct. You know, what used to work does not work. And what I find is a lot of women, as we get older, we try to go back to the over-exercising and the cardio and the kickboxing and all that stuff that works in our twenties. I would say bringing in more strength training and resistance is a lot more effective the older that we get. And we also need that for bone health. Awesome. LJ, all of your answers have been just so extremely helpful. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on here today. I know that all of the journeyers and everybody listening, there's going to be people going to be people who want to reach out to you, work with you. Um, so just tell us everything. What do you have going on? How can we connect with you? Where can they find you? Go for yeah. it. All right. Well, you can definitely find me on clubhouse under LJ Johnson. I love it. My girl Shannon's on there. Um, my Instagram account is LJS and I'm sure she'll give you all the links yep. LJS underscore powerhouse. I've got a link on my Instagram, which has got some amazing freebies. So some of you are listening and you're like, I don't know, LJ's story is a little bit crazy, but I've had some of that stuff happen to me too, right? Could it be endometriosis? I've got a freebie. If you're not sure, but you're like, I kind of relate to your story. Maybe it is endo. I don't know, right? I'm not diagnosing, but it will definitely inform you. So I've got some freebies for my endo warriors, or if you think you have endometriosis, if you're having PCOS and you're like, oh my gosh, just learn with LJ and Shannon. There's four types. I didn't even know that grab my freebie. So click on that link. You can also go to my website, um, ljspowerhouse.org. I've got um, one-on-one coaching. I am going to be releasing group coaching. I haven't set up the funnel and all that fun stuff yet, but if you find me on Instagram, just send me the word group coaching. I'm starting my waiting list that I'll be rolling out probably in the beginning of March. I'm my group coaching is full right now, but I am taking one-on-ones. And then one thing that's really nice for some people, cause they're like, okay, group coaching may be too much. And you're super excited and too intense. I don't want you all to myself, but I do offer what's called a hormone rebalance session. And that's a 90 minute session where you can come to me and be like, okay, this is what I have. This is what's going on. And I can just rapid fire for 90 minutes and really help you create a healing protocol. Cause sometimes that's a really great start to do that 90 minute session, do that for a couple months and then be like, okay, now I'm ready to delve in and, you know, do the group coaching or do the one-on-one. So that is the best way to work with me and definitely, you know, follow my Instagram account. There's so many free resources on there. So, so much information, right? You can just go on there and stalk me all day long and grab all those freebies as well. Awesome. You guys, I'm going to be tagging LJ everywhere on Instagram in the show notes. You will have the links to all of those freebies, her website and everywhere that you can connect with her. So make sure that you do, um, and make the right choice to be taking care of yourself, right? Like this year we're focusing on choices and this is such a great choice you can be making to enhance your life and not be in pain, having more joy during sex. I mean, there's like a million different things that we spoke about today. So LJ, thank you so much. Before we close out, did you bring a quote that you wanted to share with the journeyers? My quote, my quote is you can have quality of life despite your diagnosis, but here's the deal. You need to empower yourself, motivate and educate, put yourself in the driver's seat so that you can really empower yourself to just turn your life around and turn those hormones around. It can be done. You can definitely do it. Yes, it can be done. You can do it, you guys. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, LJ, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I've learned so much. And I thank you for coming on here and educating me and all of my listeners today. You're welcome. I had an amazing time. Thank you for having me. Awesome. All right, you guys. Well, that is it for today's episode. I will see you next week for a brand new episode. But until then, always remember through every high, every low, every positive, every negative, every up, every down, whatever it may be. Always remember you got this.